And welcome back to Move Evolution's Drumming Physical Therapy. And in this podcast, we interview Benjamin Kessel, triathlete, coach, and owner of Priority Fitness. And we talk all about overtraining and knowing when to say when. Heal, move, recover, evolve. Welcome to Move Evolution and Drumming Physical Therapy, talking everything drums, percussions, and drumming injury and fitness. My name is Richard Simister. I'm a physical therapist, strength and conditioning specialist, and lifelong drummer. Heal, move, drum, evolve. Let's 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 talk about this. Usually I I do a long bio at the beginning, but I really get tired of hearing myself talk. So I'm going to put most of your information in the show notes. Cool. I'm going to ask you to talk about yourself a little bit. I just want to tell the listeners what this podcast is about. And I first wanted to talk to Benjamin Kessel, who's a triathlete, uh, multi-sport athlete. He trains triathletes. I was going to talk about how he schedules recovery and days off into his workouts, into his schedule periodization. Then digging deeper, um, uh, you know, Benjamin is a multi-sport athlete. Drumming is a sport. I always say drumming is a sport. And so a drummer who plays many percussion instruments, he is now a, now a triathlete drummer. Just for, um, I'm, I'm, I'm using that term. So my, my next take on this was how to uh, schedule breaks and days off for the triathlete, multi-sport athlete. Then I went even further, and I, I was thinking there are no systems in place where you, Benjamin, or any other athlete or drummer can wake up in the morning or before his or her workout or practice session training to let him or her know how intensely they should work out. Should they go heavy? Should they go light? Or should they not work out at all? So the topic for today is can we create a reliable system to measure our exercise preparedness. How intensely should we work out or should we work out at all? And so I want to bring you, the expert, I'm considering you an expert because you've been doing this so long. Uh, you have to consider this in your training. I want to have a conversation of how we can develop a system, have some metrics or reliable measuring tools in place where we can figure out should I work out and how hard should I work out today? So Benjamin Kessel, please, I, I want to hear a little bit about you, your workout training history, what you do now, and also who you train, who you coach. Please tell our viewers all about you. Sure. Um, thank you, Richard. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. So I started the whole fitness career probably uh, when I was in my teenage years, working at my dad's office. He was, he was a Cairo, and so I was developing x-rays and just kind of looking at spine and posture and and mechanics and, and just kind of taking that all in, let alone all the seminars he used to bring me to. Um, and then, um, and I used to coach uh, lacrosse and stuff like that too. And then um, in college, I got a, a personal training certification along while I was um, getting my exercise science degree and then, um, and played a little bit of lacrosse in college too, and then went into uh, personal training throughout my career in college. And then out of college, I had a year where I trained so that was a total of about four to five years experience. And then I decided to open up Priority Fitness, which is a training studio that I have now. 
which was maybe 12 years ago. Um, and since then, um, and I've been doing strength and conditioning the whole time. And since then, you know, since I opened up the studio, I've been kind of selfishly working with endurance athletes because that's what I found really excited me. And then took on endurance coaching, which is different than strength and conditioning for endurance athletes. And I've been doing that for probably eight to 10 years and probably around six to seven years exclusively, not exclusively, but, but mostly with triathlon. And I've been doing triathlon for maybe eight or nine seasons now. And that's what I mostly do in terms of my training is swim, bike, run, and strength, uh, which I love. So uh, I do that, and I coach triathletes and endurance athletes as well, um, writing uh, training plans, um, as well as just the niche of doing strength and conditioning for a lot of endurance clubs out here now. Now that the endurance community is uh, finally accepting strength and conditioning as, as part of <laughs> <laughs> it. took them so long. I know, I know just like yeah it's it's uh it's like they watch pumping iron they're like yeah that's not for me uh, <laughs> which, which watched, in, that, in that respect just, it's not <laughs> i just watched that movie again oh what a great movie what a great being movie. with a weight just like orgasming with a woman like okay, Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> now, so benjamin good. why good. have why were you drawn or why are you drawn to not just endurance athlete but endurance training what what turns you on about that type of training um there's uh, that's a great question. Two two reasons. Uh, one, the first thing that ever the first physical feat that I thought that wasn't doable for me, I was like, oh, that's not I can't do that. It was an Ironman, um, and I was in my early twenties, and I was like, oh yeah, I just can't do that. And I don't know why I put that limit on myself. So I think that turned into a goal. <clears throat> so it was just trying to reach the goal, um, and then the. So that was one thing, and I did it. Great job. I, you know, threw up over across the finish line. Um, and then um, the other reason now is just a little bit less uh, externally motivated, more internally rotating, is just the process. You know, it's a very – I would say triathlon is a very selfish sport in, in the respect that you have to put in so much time for yourself. Like, it's just, it requires a lot of volume to get good at it because you're doing mm -hmm. three sports. Um, but I love sucking at all three of them in some respect. I love getting better. <laughs> you know, they say like, if you want to, if you want to be a great runner, run, if you want to be a good runner, you know, be a triathlete. Like, it's just like, you're only going to be good at three sports and never going to be great. And it's just about how do you be good at all three of them to be, be, to yeah. be your best triathlete. So I love the process of just, I feel so lucky to be able to work on three different sports. It's like having three of your favorite hobbies all at once. Um, so it's great. And there's so much room for improvement that I just constantly stay motivated. So that's, that's why I love uh, endurance training and, and triathlon especially. Okay. Let me ask you about any major injuries you've had along the way. Hmm. You can name all, you can name all 53 if you want. I know I've had so <laughs> many injuries. One of the ones fortunately brought me to meet you. Um, the biggest one, I mean, I had, I had a knee injury when I was in high school, some knee surgery and some back stuff, but uh, the bike crash was the biggest one, um, which I saw you and you got me back into, uh, got me back strong, was uh, when I had that full shoulder separation of the AC joint and um, big major, major surgery, which I, I think I found out how major it was as, as we went along and progressed in our rehab. <laughs> yeah. as the Something's on, not like, quite right. Yep, yep, and you were patient with me. Um, and that was a really big one. It was a, it was a, and it wasn't in a major bike crash in terms of like, I was only going 10 miles an hour. It was just, I flipped over the bars cause someone jumped in front of me. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was probably the biggest one. Um, and then some, some small back issues after that, which, uh, me and you had some fun conversations about, uh, 
Pain Science. I don't know if you remember that. Going back oh, of to course years, I do. Remember that? Oh, that was I great. do. I do. Oh, the conversations we had, Richard, they were so much fun. Uh, <laughs> Nerd <laughs> time. Oh, my God. Geek yeah. out sessions. Yeah. There, if, there, if there was a fly <laughs> on the wall, it would probably just leave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was that was the biggest that was the biggest most recent one. Knock on wood was the shoulder was the was the bike crash of the shoulder injury, which was a real big rehab process. Um, so yeah, there they come. You know, they come and go. Now it's a uh, now now it's really about just kind of managing and, and preventing any overuse injuries. I think is really the biggest deal when it comes to endurance uh, training. You know, how do you prevent yourself from you know overuse rather than the acute crash or something like that? Okay. Yeah. Let's 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 talk about. I guess saving ourselves from injuries or being prepared for the workout. We're talking about overtraining, or if there's even a term overtraining, or what's the definition of overtraining. And before this, I did a lot of research <laughs> for Great. this podcast. And what I realized pre-competitive assessment of heart rate variability in elite female athletes during playoffs, monitoring athletic training status through autonomic heart rate regulation. I did a lot of, and Okay. There's a lot of research on um, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, uh, grip strength, but nothing specific. Or if they're specific, I really couldn't group them together again to create one uh, useful system for an athlete. So first, before I even talk about the research, I might even skip the research because that may not help us. What is your definition when you're talking to you or yourself or you're talking to your clients? How do you, how do you define overtraining what is overtraining to you great um overtraining to me especially when it comes to coaching my endurance athletes is not being is doing uh, uh doing um the work but not getting not being able to do the performance huh. you know and yeah. doing the work and not being motivated to do the performance are the two biggest things mm. overtraining, you know and i think those come hand in hand most of the time but that's the, that, those are the biggest signs of overtraining. If you put in all the work and your performing is going down or plateauing or you don't want to do the work anymore. So that's overtraining. To, that's, that's, that's what I look for with overtraining. That's, that's it to me. Sounds like you have mental fatigue and physical fatigue or, okay. So yeah, that's a, I, I, let me ask you, as far as musculoskeletal, and CNS or neurological, so we're really geeking out. And I'm talking, do you, are you, do you focus more on, listen, I'm having some musculoskeletal muscle joint limitations today. I'm just not feeling right or I'm strained, I'm in pain. Or are you looking, you know, it's, we know that overtraining definitely hits the CNS and neurological system. I, my CNS is just fried, okay? Uh, my grip strength, uh, my heart rate, I can't forward bend. It's not a, a soft tissue thing. It's a neurological thing. Are you focusing more on the musculoskeletal or the cns the neurological component i try to do both but the way i structure my training i don't the way i structure my training i usually get the cns and the hormonal thing first mm -hmm. um and the reason why is because you know one of the things that i learned as a coach a few years into my career coaching um for endurance athletes um, and this is what higher level coaches have taught me the, the standard two weeks on, one week off of like, you know, going really hard, doing a week recovery, three weeks on, one week off, um, was apparently actually just a, uh, just to stay in line with old Rus Russian doping cycles. Um, but regardless, 
the pushing your body really hard during during just standard training and, and requiring a full week of recovery um, is something that I don't adhere to anymore because I don't think it's totally relevant. So rather than and this is all going to come back to it, rather than um, <laughs> it's, it's all, I'm, I'm going around in a circle, but we're bringing it back. But rather than going real pushing athletes really really hard so that they need a week of recovery while they're just doing their training build, I like to do a nice slow build. Of fitness, where we do some little, some little bobbing and weaving of, of intensity, um, of course, to get to make sure you get the right stimuli and adaptation. But in a way, where we're not pushing too extremely and acutely, that would lead to muscular skeletal injuries that are acute. Um, and, and and in terms of um, building up durability, doing it slower and steadier, and creating more of a foundation. So that when we do the peak training, which is, you know, maybe six to eight weeks before a race or whatever it is, your body's nice and durable for it. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that, that's been a, and, and, and for me, since I do it like that, I'm, I'm less, it, it seems that I'm less, I've been, I have been less likely to have musculoskeletal issues. My athletes don't get injured too much per se, but they might get tired. They might be like, hey, I need a day off because I'm not a big fan of day offs in general, or I need, you know, I need some downtime. Or, you know, and that's when I'll see, okay, we have to kind of dial things back a little bit. And I try to keep them moving all the time, but I will, I, I will um, modify the, the, um, the volume or the, or the intensity to, to work with that. So, mm -hmm. I, that's, so the way I structure my training, I see more of the hormonal and CNS stuff where they're just exhausted or they're not excited to. I don't see it that much, but um, that's what I see more because I don't want to get them to – I don't want, to, I don't want <clears> them to get injured because a lot of the stuff I do is remote training anyway. But um, it's also just how I feel. That's just also how I believe is good training for me in terms of just how I, you know, athlete plan stuff. You know? So a gradual ramp up in training to build up someone's capacity so they so their body can adapt, not just the central nervous system, but their musculoskeletal system. I'm, I'm really big on tendon health nowadays. Or I've always been, but now I'm deeper into it. Have you, in your life, have you ever – we were talking injuries. I saw I cut you off earlier, but have you had any injuries that you think were caused by overtraining or ramping up too quickly? Absolutely. Okay. Personally. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. There's, there's an old saying, um, what is it? It's, uh, when the mind says yes, but the body says no, that means you need to stop. <laughs> but when, one more <laughs> when the mind, when the mind says yes, but the body says no, <laughs> yes. that means you need to stop. But if the mind says no and the body says yes, you push through, you know? <laughs> Woo, that's <laughs> you a lot of self-awareness someone needs to have. <laughs> well, that's, well that's, that's one of the things I talked about with training is the biggest goal for my athletes is self-awareness, is understanding perceived effort, is understanding oh, where is deep. my body in terms of effort right now? How do you gauge what is an easy effort versus – a hard effort that's you know it, it helps learning the self-awareness with your body and also helps you race better too when we talk about performance you need to know how to pace yourself and that's with perceived effort and, and getting in touch with your body that's that's one of the first things i try to teach my athletes you know the majority of my athletes when i get them don't know how to do an easy workout they run too hard on their easy runs it's the first thing i look for and then when we talk about overuse and overtraining and injury guess what the biggest thing is it's, it's not the rest it's not big it's not prescribing rest it's not it's not adhering and not listening to easy runs and, and easy workouts it's not it's, it's just it's not polarizing your intensity you know that's the biggest issue that i find is if i know someone's gonna get injured if they're not going easy when they should be 
<laughs> that's, Remember how that's, we talked? Please, please continue. This is deep. Yeah, it's just it's, I know we like it when we were emailing before. We just like I was like one of the things I wanted to talk about, and you were all for it was cumulative load. Yes, you know, and and that's where you accumulate load in the most um, inefficient manner is going in this gray zone. You know, when we talk about polarity of of, of, of training and intensity and, and wanting specific adaptation, we want the hard stuff to be very very hard, so we can actually hit new limits physically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then our body can actually absorb that stimuli and, and adapt to it. And then we want the easy stuff to be really easy so we can keep moving, keep the body moving, but allow the body to absorb the previous, you know, hard workouts and, and actually recover, you know? So it's this kind of like, you know, we're polarizing intensity for the most part until we get really close to a race or something like that. But it's, it's how do you create the most stimuli, but also allow for the most recovery. But if you stay in the middle, you know, yeah. if you just kind of do in the middle, you're not ever hitting new limits because you're kind of always a little bit tired. You know, yeah. and you're never actually fully recovering because you're always a little bit tired mm -hmm. and that leads to an injury and you don't get as fit, you know. And, and folks out there, there's also, uh, you can also undertrain. And I, I want to go oh, back. Sure. You, you're the first trainer, coach, and everyone out there, I have been telling Benjamin, I've known Benjamin for at least five, six years. He should be a oh, physical yeah. therapist. He should <laughs> be a physical therapist. He should be a physical therapist. But hey, <laughs> another story. So we've been talking about the definition of overtraining is you, you're, you're not benefiting anymore. You're not making gains. You're actually either uh, staying status quo or you're losing ground. Okay. Your, your, your idea is to uh, ramp up slowly to build capacity and um, uh, um, build adapt adaptation so you don't get hurt or over, or over fry the CNS. And your first, uh, your first concept when you are training someone is to build self-awareness, which I think is huge. I've never heard that before. Everyone wants to jump in, jump in. Let's do some uh, metrics. Let's see what you can do. Let's build a foundation. You're talking about mental preparedness first. And I think that's, that's wonderful. And I want to ask you about um, the factors that you felt, what you felt about uh, when you're overtraining, what symptoms you felt or what you see in your, in your, uh, with your clients or your patients. Because for myself and my patients, my clients, um, I think factors leading to overtraining, let's not, I'm sorry, not the symptoms, factors leading to overtraining, the program itself, poor recovery, stress, nutrition, hydration, a poor warm up or warm down. I don't say cool down anymore. Ignoring the signs. And I'm surprised I had this last on the list, poor self-awareness. <laughs> that should have been the first thing. So first... Let me ask you, what factors do you, other than poor self-awareness, do you feel um, lead to overtraining? Sure. The, the factors, I think you can look at it from a different a few lenses. Um, the first thing, and, and I do this with, with, with my athletes, is on a, on, a muscular, on a muscular mechanical level, making sure that the muscles that need to work at the right times are doing it. You know, if we're talking about hip extension, are, you know, are your glutes firing or do you have ample range of motion to even get to hip extension? You know, are you, if you're doing an overhead reach, are you able to actually engage your lower traps for stability? Like all those things matter so much. So just on a, on a, on a mechanical, biomechanical level, are the muscles that need to work working at the times they need to do it? Uh, all right. <laughs> and if not, let's talk about that and let's create some warm ups and cool downs and, um, supplementary or complementary uh, exercises that you can do to help you get there, you know. Uh, and then in terms of efficiency, efficiency and economy, are you able to, you know, 
stabilize? Are you able to control? Can you do a single leg balance? Are you in control of your body? And is your body moving the way you want it to at the right time? It's the number one thing for me, 100% okay. um, on, on that. So that's the, the first factor is if, if that's not happening, that's the first factor. We need to work on that. Um, and there's a couple, you know, there's so many, obviously this is, you know, more than me about this in terms of, you know, what can we do to figure out, to help someone figure out what they need to work on and what's working at the right time, you know? Um, so that's the first thing. The other factors leading to overtraining, um, one is ego-based training, you know, creating um, arbitrary goals that make you feel good that might not be relevant for a timeline that you are training for. So, you know, fitness, your fitness is your fitness. There's uh, only so much you can do in a, in a certain period of time to increase it safely. So if you're you know, 12 weeks out from a marathon and you want to break three hours, but if you were to run a marathon today, you're going to only do four hours. Like trying to cram fitness is mm -hmm. not good. To, and just to make you feel good. Um, it's like, it's just like, it's, it's very emotional and irrational. And I think setting, you know, so that's a factor that leads to overtraining is creating pressure um, that you need to be somewhere because it makes you feel good for some reason versus focusing on the process of training and, understanding why you're training to learn and to be better as a person and as an athlete, you know, th those things can conflict a lot. Uh, not saying you shouldn't have goals, but putting timelines, arbitrary timelines on goals are going to, is going to lead to overtraining. Um, the other factors, then I'll do things like this, which is fun. Um, where if, if any of my athletes listen to this, they're probably gonna have no idea. I'll like, I'll give, I'll check in without, with my athletes without them knowing, like if we're doing, you know, a pretty hard Monday through Saturday, I'll give them a Sunday workout with a pretty structured Monday through Saturday. I'll give mm -hmm. them a, a Sunday workout where it's go out, ride your bike one to three hours. If you feel like going hard, go hard. If you need to go easy, go easy. Do what feels good. Go have fun. And that's when I get so much data. I get so much information from that. That's where I see, you know, if someone's just exhausted, I'm like, oh, we need to tone this down. We might be, we might be getting to a peak. You know, if someone's hitting it really hard, oh, okay, yeah. they're they're feeling good. You know, and doing that's a good way to kind of, you know, that's how you can, that's how I can find a factor for overtraining as well. On that day that you you grant your your clients autonomy, what kind of feedback are you asking for? Are you looking for specific data, or is it more subjective report? I went hard. I went light. I went uh, my heart. What are you looking for for metrics or data? Um, it's it's. It's subjective in terms of how they respond, of course, yeah. um, which is incredibly important. Context of the workout means so much. Um, so it's how they felt. And mm -hmm. then, you know, based, I can see their data. I can see their metrics. I can see their power meter. I can see their speed. I can see their heart rate. I can see um, their cadence. I can see things that on a mechanical level will give me an idea of if they're really fatigued or if their effort is relative to their perceived effort and that is based off me knowing where they are based off you know testing you know field testing and stuff like that you know gotcha so so i, I do a mixture of both you know and going back to symptoms and i like what you said the brain the brain and the body i'm gonna use that in a pot in a post but um general symptoms i'm speaking as when i was drumming hard um also when i'm dancing hard for a couple of weeks i'm at a, like a um a festival for dancing or even just working out um 
symptoms, general malaise, just not feeling well. Like I just don't want to do it. I don't, I, I'm, I think about going on the, uh, the rower and I start getting nauseous. I have a visceral react, right? Um, general soreness. So I've been on the, I've been playing for a while. My wrists don't feel good. My shoulders feel heavy. Um, like you said, poor performance. You're having, uh, more, uh, less gains and you're actually falling behind. So what are the, what specific symptoms do you feel when you're overtraining? If you want to pick multi-events or one event, what are you feeling, Benjamin? Yeah, I personally feel uh, when I'm overtraining, the first thing that goes to me is actually my energy levels. Um, I'm mm. exhausted and I don't want to go out and, and train. I'm done. I, I just want to sleep. And my performance is also a big deal. If I'm going out for a hard interval run, yeah. I just I don't have that gear. I just don't have it. I, I want to. Uh, my, my, my mind is saying yes, my body's saying no, and, and, uh, and I can't do it, and, and I just don't have it, and um, it's, it's, it's mostly performance. I think, I think I get away with injury a little bit because I do so much maintenance work, and, I, and I'm so cerebral when it comes to my running form and making sure that, you know, I'm doing everything mechanically right, so maybe I get a few extra steps versus someone who's not who might have gotten injured. Um, but that's the first thing that goes. Of course, there's like IT bands that get tight or my body feels tight and things like that. Or, you know, um, but that's the biggest one is, 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 is my performance. Um, you know, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's the biggest symptom for me is performance and, and just the motivation to push through, even though I might not have it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's weird because, you know, every once, every once in a while you go out for a workout. And the first 20 minutes sucks and then you warm up and you feel great. You know, that's why yeah. you always give it a shot, you know? Um, you know, I actually have two questions for you. Well, well actually one is a comment. Uh, one of the things I do with my in-person strength uh, people when I do strength conditioning with my athletes and I do this with, with even with, with my non-athletes too, I have them do the same warm up basically every single time. It is my control. It is, I, <laughs> and it, it's not my control in terms of power. It is my control in terms of the um, scientific method. <laughs> I mean, that specific athlete, or are you saying when you, when you have a runner, when you have a cyclist, when you have a swimmer, I put them through the g same general workout? When I watch, when I'm about to train somebody physically, I yes. have them do the same warm-up routine because mm -hmm. I want to see how they're doing it. Cause I watch them do it at the same time. I want to see, that's my control. I want to see the variables. How are they moving today? And I, it needs to be the same. So I know, and that's where I take in the data. How are we opening up the hips today? How are we moving today? How fluidly are we moving? How much energy does this person have? And how are their mechanics versus last time? Are there, are their bodies sticking? Are they moving? Are they fluid? You know, and that's when I take in the data and then that goes into their workout for the next hour of how can I make this workout most effective? Mm. Maybe we actually have to tone it down. Maybe we have to do a little bit more warming up. This person's looking a little stiff. This person isn't moving that well. So I have this control routine that they all know. Anyone who knows who trains, they just go right into it. Um, it's, not, it's not rocket science, it's nothing crazy. And then they do that, and then I'm taking in data. And I'm, just, and I'm talking for a while. You know, and you, get, you just it becomes second nature. Um, so that's in-person stuff, uh, which I love. It, it, it's, it's great. Um, and then another thing, too, is uh, uh, I didn't even tell you. I... I, my first instrument was the drums. I play the drums. And, oh, uh, wait, wait. Uh, you can see, can you, can oh, you see you them? Oh, you got it still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still oh, yeah. My got the roll oh, my, my Kong is bearing about a drum. But oh, everyone, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing the camera to a, uh, a, uh, a Roland electronic um, drum set that Benjamin actually uh, 
sold me and I still have it here. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Yeah. So my drum teacher who was ended up becoming a really famous guy actually, but um, he was my dad's patient and my dad treated him because he had horrible posture when he was drumming. He was hunched mm-hmm. over. So one of the things that like I'd, I'd want to know how you look at is if you watch someone play, how's their posture? Like how is like, how are they holding their, their, skeletal system against gravity <laughs> like are they like are they just is, is gravity defeating them is that a sign of overtraining <laughs> you know i posture and alignment are so huge because most people will not most a lot of percussionists will uh they won't think about alignment first they'll think about the setup first and then alignment and a lot of times i'll see if say a drunk guy in the drum set he'll throw the throne will be too high the throne will be too low He'll be extending too far for the symbols. And it's just like being at your workstation. It's all about ergonomics. You want everything close to you. You don't want to be overreaching. You don't want to be slunched, uh, slouched over your over the drum set, over the congas. So yeah, I'm heavy, heavy, heavy in alignment. And I have to be careful because if I make the switch too uh, dramatic, it's going to throw off their playing and performance. And they're not going to want to talk to me. The last thing I want to do is throw off someone's uh, playing. So I have to first, like you said, awareness i have to explain to them what i'm doing why i'm doing and i want them to feel the difference between sitting and playing up tall versus being slumped over and that may take a day it may take a couple of weeks but i have to have that buy-in first or it's never going to uh it's never going to work so yes i focus a lot on alignment and posture do you do the same thing for a warm-up like the same way like i do this (laughs) when i play the banjo like i'll do the same warm-up routine and some days i suck and some days i'm great and, um, you know, do you do the same thing and take data from it, like in terms of, you know, overhand I, or? I do. I go by how I feel, where I am mentally. And once I start warming up, I'll know within the first five or 10 yeah. minutes, it's not going to be a good day or I should switch to something <laughs> else. Luckily, I right. have other percussions here, a percussion instrument. So I may just get off the set and go to the gongs. Right. So, yeah. Right. And as far as your general warmth use for everyone, the National Strength and Condition Association has a dynamic warm-up functional screen something like that and it's a series of six exercises and if they look like uh, modified yoga and pilates moves but they use the same thing so they can screen groups of people and whether i use it on one person or a group again it does give you so much data it does form as serve as a warm-up but wow their left side is so much better than the right or their right. push-up look at their backs it's terrible that can serve as their as their exercise. You're not going to move. You're not going to do anything else. That's going to be your program until you make that uh, perfect. Right. Because why would I load your body or add speed to the equation if you can't even do a, um, a warrior one or a downward dog without screaming and pain to the hamstrings or saying, don't do that to me ever again. So I yeah. agree with you having a standardized general warm-up. There's nothing boring about it until people master it. And then I want to do something else. So I agree with you. Right on, man. All right, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about recovery strategies. And we're going to talk about how to actually um, uh, measure your preparedness for exercise before you go out and hurt yourself. So we will be right back. And we are back and we are talking about overtraining and how to best be prepared for training, knowing when to say when. 
And so we, go, we are going to talk about recovery strategies. So let's see, let's move on down. So uh, you were talking about, you focus both on the musculoskeletal system, but the CNS system comes first after self-awareness. But you, when, you, when it comes to um, preparing yourself, you focus on the central nervous system first. Am I correct? Yeah. It is. Yeah, definitely. Especially now in my athletic career when I'm able to train a little bit smarter versus I, That was my next yeah. question. My no. next question was, are you smarter now that you're older? Are you making a lot less mistakes, whether it's self-awareness or just because your, your capacity has been built up so much? Are you getting injured less? Are you training better? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And it's, okay. it's uh, yeah, big time, big time. So it's, it's, a, it's, a big, uh, it's a big learning curve for a lot of people. As far as I'm concerned, the first, almost the first year I take someone on for training, a lot of it's just like teaching them training, how to train, you know, take that in so you can actually build a long, healthy athletic career, which, uh, you know, yeah. So as, as far as recovery strategy, strategies and down regulating the CNS, your, your central nervous system is just fried for the day. You feel something's off. And we'll talk about soon. That's soon. I'm kind of categorizing this into two ways you can treat it. You can either be passive and do nothing, <laughs> just lay down and or go to the beach, or you can do something active to um, unfry your CNS, to bring things back to baseline, such as foam rolling, a light, minimal workout, even leg slides, so leg slides, breath work. Um, we're going to talk about this soon, but what strategies do you use if you wake up and you know what? Something's just not right. It's not my musculoskeletal system. I just, something in my nervous system is just uh, overwrought and uh, it's anxious. What do you do? Is it more active, more passive? And, and what do you, how, how do you choose? Um, it's, it tends to be active. Um, and uh, it's, it's a very easy, easy workout. Um, uh, yeah, the, the way I choose is I don't really choose for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. I am in a routine where I just feel better if I train. So there's a lot of positive reinforcement. So yes. it's just, uh, it's just how hard do I want to train? So if I'm really shot, you know, it, it turns into, and, if, and let's say I had a hard run that day, you know, it turned to an easy spin on the bike where I just watch a TV show and it's unstructured, or I do a very easy swim in the pool um, if they're open. And um, yeah, so it's, it, it tends to be active um, and, and, 99 out of 100 times, I feel way better when I'm done. Uh, my energy's back. I feel I feel way more refreshed. Um, the few times where I'm like, oh, I can't work out today, um, mm -hmm. I've, I've not. But it's usually because I'm sick okay. you know, or something like that. Um, it, for me, it, and everyone's different. If I, if, I, if I wake up saying I really don't want to work out, then I don't. Then there's something going on. You know? But it's very rare. Usually it's like I just need a little – a little push and I'm, and I'm fine. Um, and it's active. Same way. I don't necessarily impart this upon my, upon my clients. I don't stress they move it, uh, that they exercise every day, but unless like a, a rib is popping out of your skin or you do have the flu motion is lotion. I do believe people have, should do some sort of movement every day mentally for myself. I, I whether it's exercise or yoga or going for a walk, I have to do something to tell my body that, you know, don't stiffen up. And it's just good for my, my psyche. But I want to ask you very specifically, okay? And I'm going to go down the list. What do you do, Benjamin, 
and not how you prescribe things with your, with your, with your clients. But what do you do if you wake up feeling totally craptacular? Yes or no? Train or no train? No. Okay. Poor sleep. No. Depends on the workout. Depends on the workout. Okay. You're yeah. feeling sore uh, and you're going running and your quads feel sore or your, or your glutes feel sore. You can work out. You can run. It, it, okay. It's, it's, if you have a key workout that requires a specific intensity that you need to hit numbers, do not do it that day. Don't, don't do it. Skip it. I give my athletes key workouts. If this is the key workout day, no, you need to be fresh for it. We already talked about your fried CNS, your central nervous system is just wrought with stress. What about poor metrics? I'm going to talk about how we measure ourselves shortly, but say your forward bend, your grip strength, your heart rate's all over the place. If you check your blood pressure, what do you do if you metric? I don't even know if you, if you, if you check, <laughs> I should have asked this first. Do you gauge, do you take any metrics at the first thing in the morning before you train? Or is it more self-awareness how you're feeling? I, I personally don't. Well, my watch does heart rate. Um, okay. and that actually can tell me a little bit, believe it or not. Um, but I personally don't, um, um, I, I, I know how I feel for the most part. Um, some of my athletes do heart rate variability. Some of my athletes take resting heart rate every morning and it has some, it, it, it matters. Uh, it, it mm -hmm. gives you some stuff. Um, personally, I don't, I, I usually feel good or don't feel good. Um, and, and then the heart rate will, you know, reinforce that, I guess. But um, yeah, so there's there's metrics that work. I haven't found a an elite coach that has changed their workout due to heart rate variability. Maybe they do. Mm -hmm. I just haven't. I haven't heard heard one talk about it too much in depth. It's almost like it's retroactive re reconfirm like reconfirmation that you were feeling bad um, so far. But retroactive you know, reconfirmation. <laughs> Yeah, or like a retrospective, you know, it's just like you're looking back, you're like, I felt like crap the whole five, five days. Oh, yeah, my heart rate variability says I did. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> that, I know? like that because you're talking about um, empirical longitudinal study. You're talking about looking at things over a long period of time. And I'll talk about this in the summary. I don't think you should hang your hat on one metric. And I don't think you should just, uh, oh, my heart rate's up. I should stop running. And I also think you should look at these things over a long period of time. It shouldn't just be one day, but sorry to interrupt, but I thought that was very poignant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's also like one of the things that um, I get, I think it's overlooked. It's just mental attitude. Mm -hmm. um, there's exercise and fitness is a, I hate to say it, but it's a, it's a privilege in some respect we have, we're making time for it. Not everyone has that, you know? Yeah. So, if you're not excited to go work out and train, like you need to be excited to go do that stuff. And if you're not, you're probably not in the right space to do anything anyway. <laughs> you know, this is, this is, this is the good life. You have time to do something that That's you love. That's a hard you feel sell, great. man. That's you know? a hard sell. It is, it is, but it, it's, it's true. At least with, at least that's how I feel with triathlon. You know, if I get to go out and ride my bike or run, I'm it's, today's a good day. You know, that, that, that's a big one. So if, if you take that, you know, if you take that outlook and you don't want to do it then, then you don't, you know, like if, if you're not, if you're, if you're, it's like not being able to watch your favorite TV show, if you're just saying no, all right, then you've got to really fight to say no, as far as I'm concerned. So, and you may set yourself meant. up for injury also, if you're not mentally into running or biking, I, they, I have to run because it's good for me. I tell folks, don't run to get in shape, run because you love running, get in shape to run. But if you're out oh, yeah. there, oh, yeah, 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 the whole, the whole, you know, you don't run to get in shape, you get in shape to run. Yeah, man. 
so true. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I hear you. I hear you. That's it's a hard. But you're right, though, Richard. It's a hard sell. It's definitely a hard sell. Um, you know, the 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 the, the gratefulness one. <laughs> what you said you know, is, yeah. you know, getting up in the morning, the first thing is give thanks that I'm awake and I can breathe. You know, that's a that's that's a blessing. And you're yeah. saying the ability to work out. Some people can't work out, or some people are, are mentally not there, physically not there. Being able and being blessed to work out is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it may. If someone's a novice and they haven't worked out all their life, it always shocks me when a client comes in, a patient, oh, I've never exercised, never worked out. I do the old, what? I know. And it, it takes a long time to. So again, it's, it's, it's a lot of mental buy-in, but that's a hard. So I'm planning on doing a podcast, what if working out felt as good as sex? And I'm not putting that title in a peak is that, people's Is that because you watch Pumping Iron? Yes, yes. But what if it was? You know, if I could have that conversation, create that narrative and think about it. If you look forward to working out as much as you look forward to um, being with your partner and you knew it was going to be good, wouldn't you do it all the time? Wouldn't you be geared for it? Wouldn't you become better? Wouldn't you become more fit to have sex because you enjoy it as much? And not to be weird, when I work out and have a great workout i'm not comparing it to sex but it's a really nice body orgasm you know that that serotonin that, that you afterwards that, and it lasts for a long time even to the next day yeah you might say you might have that same shit-eating grin after <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast yeah, so yeah. no one can see how much i'm smiling but i do yeah. love intimacy and i do love working out just not don't tell my wife that sometimes are at the same level. No, I didn't say that. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, man. I, just one more thing that I say, I tell yeah. um, my athletes, not my athletes, more the, my, more my, my, my personal training guys who are, are people who are getting in for the first time. Give me a case not to work out. Give me a reason why not. Only positive things happen when you exercise. You feel better. There's a physiological response. There's a physical response. You know, there's a hormonal, like all these things that happen only there's only positive things there's no reason like ask yourself why you're fighting to work out when there's only a positive response like that's yeah that's where you have to actually start checking in on on the emotional level you know um anyways but yeah i just want to put that in there okay uh, a bunch of metrics um again with my research and talking to my friend um who i don't think you've met yet i've always tried to introduce you but he moved with his wife to california dr boba banco from fit care physio we've been talking back and forth and so and I've also been doing this every day. I check my grip strength in the morning. I check my heart rate. And once a week, I check my blood pH level, my weight, uh, 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 my blood pressure. I also check my oxygen every morning, my oxygen saturation. Oh, very, nice. I, know, I know very nerdy, but it, it's given yeah. me some valuable information. And let me tell you some of the things that Bo and I have been talking about. Resting heart rate, variable heart rate, grip strength, forward bend test, blood pressure, vertical jump, and sleep. So as far as my heart rate, it's been pretty consistent, about 66 um, beats per minute every morning. My grip strength, that's been the craziest. When my, if I've had a poor night's sleep or say I was just, my stomach wasn't feeling well, and my, my grip strength always, is always off. Also, if my grip strength is off and I try to do a workout, yes, it does correlate to a crappy workout, especially if I'm doing some sort of pull activity, like pull-ups, pulls, uh, kettlebells, it just throws it off. When my grip strength is over 53, 54, uh, for the day, and it's symmetrical, I, it, it, I have really good workouts. And it's not a mental thing, because I forgot that morning what my grip strength was, and I looked the next day, oh, that's why my workout was so crap. Again, I don't hang my hat on one metric, but I do look at that, how I'm feeling, 
how I slept, my heart rate. Um, Bo has been doing some research on the central nervous system and that forward bend test. So before you work out, can you touch your toes? Could you touch your toes before? And if you can't today or it's less, try doing like you, you said when you, you do a warm up and you want and you're looking at someone, you may want to make sure that their body parts are moving, the patterns are, are there, the muscles are firing well. Forward bend test is a nice test to see is your central nervous system fried or is it regulated uh, at the right level? And, you know, because most of the time when you can't bend forward, people say it's my hamstring, it's my hamstrings. Most of the time in my clients, it's not the hamstrings. It's something else, either uh, some muscles above or the central nervous system is just saying, nah, you're not, you're not ready to do that yet. So he's been using, he's been doing some uh, research on that. There's also the vertical jump test. That's also a way to see if your CNS system is ready. You check yourself, you know, first, and then, you know, late every, every day, every time before you go to work out, you check your vertical jump. And if it's off, that might be telling you something that you're not ready to, to work out. You may need to, again, do some more uh, of your warm-up first. It's a dynamic warm-up. Do some rolling, deregulate your CNS, and then check it again before you warm up, before you work out. Mm. Have you had any of your athletes, I know we just talked about this, you said that you have had some people check their heart rate, the variable heart rate. Any grip strength testing? Have you heard about the vertical jump or the forward bend test? I haven't heard about the vertical jump or the forward bend test, although it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I'd also I'd want to know if like single leg balance would also work into that one too. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't do that um, or grip strength just because it's not. I mean, it's not bad. We just it's it's not. It wasn't in my uh, in my realm of triathlon thinking, um, but it totally makes sense. Um, we, I get, uh, metrics uploaded a lot of heart rate variability and, and resting heart rate and, um, and sleep and sleep. That's the biggest one. Um, and I think those are the things that the sleep is probably the thing that I see people get affected the most, but yeah, in terms of, I haven't done any of that stuff yet. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I look at the over the fatigue, the, the, the cumulative or, or, or or overtraining fatigue based on a pattern of, of, of feedback of, of, of each workout. You know, I write workouts and I have a pretty good idea of whether it's supposed to be hard, easy, middle, and I see whether a, if they can fail or, 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 or achieve it or perform it or how they felt, you know, and some workouts that are right, that aren't too crazy. If they're exhausted, you know, I'm like, oh, we're actually, we're, we're, we're hitting some fatigue right now that I wasn't expecting, you know, and then we kind of yeah. dig deeper. And then if it's over a longer period of time, then we actually start having a conversation about sleep or nutrition or things like that. You know, um, I like the idea of testing prior. Um, I think that's good. I mean, cause, cause it gets rid of some factors. Like I had one athlete who just wasn't fueling themselves before really hard bike workouts. Mm -hmm. and they were just going into it with no energy and they were failing. And I was like, what's going on here? And I realized that they just weren't calorieing up the way they should. And as soon as they did, they were hitting all their numbers. So it wasn't even a central nervous system thing. It was just more of a fatigue thing. But if I had a test, if, if, you know, now I'm thinking about it, if I had a test that was, you know, quick and easy and that was a little bit pretty telling, that would be, you know, that could get rid of some factors. So, yeah. yeah that's my point. I want to think of uh, valuable, easy things that anyone can use. So again, they know how to reach their peak or when not to try to reach their peak. You, you had mentioned um, single leg stance. 
And I want to ask you why you said that, because that gives so much information, not just on balance, knee stability, but they have something, some instability above in the hip or the back that correlates directly to ankle instability and balance. And I can tell you, I've had chronic back injury. I'm just starting to get a lot better because I found out what it was. And I just checked my balance and my dancing. I realized why I'm so off on my right foot. My back has been so bad, my hips, that it affected my single leg balance. Because anytime I wanted to stand or push off, it would send a pain signal to my back. So after a while, it became so automatic, I'd expect it. And I stopped putting weight on my front. So why did, on my right leg. So why did you mention single leg stance, Matt? Yeah, I find that single leg, there are a few reasons. One, single leg doesn't require, uh, anyone can do it, like versus mm-hmm. a vertical jump, like it's just yeah. safer. Um, two, when it, you know, the most dangerous, I hate using that word. I don't want to use that word. The most, um, that was going to go to violent. The, the, the most <laughs> in- <laughs> aggressive. Yeah, I, I would say the, 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 the most physical load out of the three sports of triathlon is running. The mo- it's the most on your body, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always look at single leg balance as one of the precursors for being able to run um, economically and safely and efficient, efficiently. And so that's, I think that's a very important to get that down before you start doing um, distance running, which is basically triathlon. So yeah, that's that's why I look at single leg balance. Um, it's funny, I did a seminar, like a workshop rather in November it was like a strength conditioning for endurance work workshop. And one of the athletes asked me like, what's the one. And he was probably just trying to find out what the one exercise he could do was, but he's like, what's the one exercise that if, if you had everyone do for a runner, like what would it be? And I was like, I've never been asked that question before. And I was like, is he just picking my brain or does he just want to only do one exercise? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> he's picking your brain and he's lazy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you know, I was like, <laughs> like, are you brilliant or just bored? Uh, no. Um, and I picked single leg squat. Doesn't have, mm-hmm. to be a, doesn't have to be a pistol squat, but you know, the single leg stance just gives, I find so much data to it. And when I go do run analysis and stuff like that, I just see it transfers over so much. Um, so I, I think it takes in the most data, especially with running because you get to see so many different um, areas of improvement. And um, yeah, so I think single leg balance would be great. And you can just do that wherever and whenever. And um, I think it's very accessible for people and everyone knows how to do it. So I think that would be a good, uh, I'd love to use that as a metric. Hands free, hands on hips. So you go back and forth because I have both hands away and then hands on hips to take away their, um, their stabilizers. Uh, I do hands down by their side or I do, or I do running arms. Gotcha. Yeah. So they have okay. to do running arms. Either or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that tells you a lot too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to, this isn't really a summary, but I want to go over a few things to see how you'd, I guess I'm going to be the athlete. Okay. I'm going to be, sure. I'm going to be one of your, your triathletes. I mean, you know, I'm not Uh-oh. a triathlete. Okay. So I got my results, you know, my grip strength's off is my heart rate. My, uh, my left is a lot weaker. My heart rate is, uh, is like 82. So, you know, should I listen to my body and not work out? Should I try to re- re- uh, deregulate my uh, CNS or should I just ignore, ignore and train regardless? Yeah. I, I think definitely the middle one is the way to go, you know, trying to downregulate, you know, um, that's a, that to me, that's a technique day. That's, that's a mm-hmm. drill day. 
that's where you go and focus on the easy stuff. Don't, don't kill yourself. Just do the easy things. Just, you know, work on timing, work on, if it's drumming, work on timing, work on, or just, you know, no pressure, just go easy, make it a learning day. So I would, I would do that over not moving at all. Okay. Hey, um, I want to know how, how, if I should, um, get on the drum set and train for two hours, practice for two hours. And also I want to go for a run, you know, should I rely on the metrics and just like focus on that? Or what do you, you know, Benjamin, what should I, what's the first thing I do when I wake up and I think about working out, what should I look at? Uh, first thing you should do is check in with how you feel and how your body feels. Do a, do a nice little kind of head to toe thing and, and inside and out. Um, and then think about the workout, what you have to achieve. A lot of, a lot of the workouts have structure and, and are you excited about it or are you kind of not into it? Um, those are the first things I think about. And, and, and should I, um, what happens if it, you know, after a couple of weeks, I realize, um, you know, my heart rate's just all over the place, you know, should I not train or what's going on with me? I, my, my, my metrics are still off every day. They're just up, down. Am I something wrong with me, Benjamin? When you wake up? Yeah. Or before I train, it's my, it's never the same. My metrics are all over the place. I'm really throwing these questions at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could be. We'd have to talk about your, your just daily environment. Absolutely. You don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would. That's, that's when we have the conversation of, you know, what's your work life like? What's your personal life like? What's your nutrition life like? You know, what's your sleep? How's your sleep? How's your hydration? Where are you? <laughs> you know, um, are you traveling? Are you not? Are you in the sun? Are you not? Um, you know, are you nervous? Are you anxious? I think we have to go through all those things before, before I give you anything else. <laughs> so don't go do some power squats with some kettlebells right away because they need it. Take the heaviest weight and lift it over your head and see what yes. happens. Right? <laughs> things down. Yeah. <laughs> are there any specific, um, um, takeaways from this conversation you would like to tell either percussionists, triathletes that, you know, you know, as, as a, as a trainer, as a coach, and also as a triathlete myself, this is what I would do before I go and even consider working out for the day you're on. Yeah. The biggest, if, if we're talking about what to do before you go out and work for the day, I think it is establish a routine establish a controlled routine that can be your base. You need something to, to compare something to. You need something that you wake up and you know how you're supposed to feel or how you want to feel. And you need to have that to compare to things. And that should help. And then over time you refine what the right decision is over that. You know, if you wake up and you're doing this routine and you usually feel good and you don't feel good today, you know, maybe you should switch that up and change things around. So I think it's about creating a controlled routine that you can check in with yourself and then learn what moves to take, what decisions to take after that. Very, very, very solid answer. And I totally forgot my next question. It'll come to me. I'm 53. So it's coming to me. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. I totally forgot it. I'm going to edit that out a little bit later. It's okay. Benjamin, what the hell is I talking about? Let me find... Oh yeah. Five, four, three, two, one. One thing I wanted to add in, I know I talked about a lot of metrics and ways to test the vertical jump, the, the grip test. Don't just go out and do it because I said I didn't because I listed it. Know why you're using this, this, this tool. Know what you're measuring and why you're measuring it and what to do with it. 
You know, don't get freaked out again because your grip strength's all off. I shouldn't work out. Do some research or talk to Benjamin, talk to me, find out why these tests are valuable and how you can use them in your, like you said, your routine, your, your foundation. Um, but I think it's really important because, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing this for myself because I always believe I should be the guinea pig before I go and um, tell my clients to go use it. Cause I want to see how well it works for me. And so far it has, I haven't done the vertical jump test yet, but the grip, the pH, the blood pressure, the heart rate. So that's been functioning well for me. Um, finally, Benjamin, I want to ask you, do you have any, um, talk about any events coming up at Priority Fitness? Please tell us, first of all, where Priority Fitness is, even though it's in the show notes, um, any events and any special coaching or training events coming up and, you know, let people know what you do. Sure. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, Welcome. Priority Fitness is located in uh, Park Slope, Brooklyn. We're on 7th Avenue between 13th and 14th Street. We're doing a lot of uh, remote sessions right now due to the times. And um, we're going to be folding in um, park sessions soon and then eventually getting back into the studio. Um, with Priority Fitness is my endurance coaching um, where I do, I coach marathoners, uh, anyway, anything from 10 K to marathon or ultra marathon, and then triathlon, anything from your first triathlon to, uh, to Ironman. Um, and that is a different service, but that's also something that we offer, uh, which is just endurance training, um, which is done by me exclusively. The, the personal training at Priority Fitness is, can be done by me as well, or I have a whole team of trainers who work for me. Um, those are the big things. Um, in terms of events, the biggest event will be when we get back into our studio. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I would say right now, if you uh, are looking to, if you're picking up running or you're thinking about running a race, even if it's in 2021, um, getting coach training can be very helpful. So I would, I would be, uh, I would have you look into that, whether it's with me or with somebody else. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically the stuff that's going on with our studio right now and, and variety fitness in general. When do you plan to open? Or are you uh, waiting to see what happens with the uh, pandemic rates? We're we're waiting to see. I have a feeling that phase three will probably be the time when we can naturally start bringing some people into the studio. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, no rush. I don't think, uh, I don't want to be the first studio to, to do it. <laughs> um, you know, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go into the park in the next few weeks and then, uh, and, and can, we'll do a combination of all of it. But I think phase three is when we're there. There's not too many clear guidelines on boutique personal training studio. Yeah. You know, there's big gym and there's one-on-one -on -one personal trainer, but there's nothing really in the middle. So um, maybe that, maybe we'll get more guidelines as we go on. But, you know, we're not going anywhere. We've been, we've been open since 08. Um, so uh, we're, we got a strong community and we're doing a lot of, a lot of stuff right now. So, you know. Is your landlord being cool? I don't know yet. I think we're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, know when, I'll know when I go back in, he's waiting there. Knock, yeah. knock, knock. Yeah. <laughs> <They're>, yeah. <laughs> they seem, they, they're, they're, they're good guys. They've been around. Um, so, you know, they've, they've, I've been with them for a while. So hopefully they'll be fine. You know, how, how about you? Are you back in the studio? <laughs> That's a bone of contention. My, I want to go back yesterday and my wife, we just had a conversation and she's worried excuse the term, I never swear on my part, I try not to shitless about me going back, about contamination. And I go, love, I only treat one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I wear the gloves, the mask. I screen people before they come with a thermometer, oxygen, um, the oxygen saturation. I ask them the questions, have you been around anyone with symptoms? Have you had any symptoms? Have you traveled? 
again, they have to wear a mask when they come in. It's only one-on-one. So I spray down everything before, during, after. So unless I take my mask off, they take their mask off and go (laughs) and cough down my throat. I think the chances of me getting it are very, very slim. But, you know, I can't say that with, but I'm just confident. But I have to convey, huh? Yeah, no, sorry to cut you off. One of the, one of the things that Cuomo talked about, which is a good thing is that the lowest rates were from, you know, uh, were from, were from first responders and, and, uh, and and essential workers, like the nurses and doctors have the lowest rates of infection uh, because they're wearing the PPEs and they're wearing everything. Um, So I think if you, you know, especially in in a very controlled environment, it's not like you're super controlled. Yeah, you're not getting bumped around and people are coughing on you in Whole Foods or something like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to Yeah, yeah, same way, same way. So that, that'll be good. I hope uh, hope you get in there. You know, Thank I know you. you'll do it safely. So it'll be good to see you back in there for sure. Well, I spoke to my landlord. He's super cool. He's not pressuring me. And also, he may give me the okay to sublease because I want to bring Pilates in. I want to bring yoga in. I want to bring Tai Chi, Qigong into the studio. So I'll know in about a week in it, but that'll, that'll change everything for 2020, 2021 for Move Evolution. But this isn't about me, it's about you. Please tell people, our listeners, how they can find you. Sure. Uh, our website is PriorityFitnessTraining.com. Um, you can email info at PriorityFitnessTraining. Um, Instagram is PriorityFitness with an underscore. Uh, you can probably just Google Party Fitness or Facebook too. Um, that's you find us. Info at will go straight to me. Um, and yeah, that's 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 how you reach us. And I will have everything in the show notes, people. Um, Benjamin Kessel from Priority Fitness in Brooklyn, New York. This every podcast gets better and better and better. No, my mic did not come in yet. I'm using my my regular. Uh, Apple iPhone um, uh, headphones. I'm st- Amazon screwed up. They said they delivered my microphone and it has not come yet. So either it has not been delivered or my neighbor is using <laughs> my now. If, 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 uh, if your mayor starts a podcast, if, if, if your neighbor starts a, mic- a podcast, you'll know. Uh, <laughs> better sound quality than mine. Then yeah. I know. Hopefully this, is, this will sound okay. But thank you so much for your time. And we're, we're going to do this again with another topic. Is, is there anything else? You'd like to add any other talk, uh, any other um, suggestions regarding recovery, overtraining, anything else? The the biggest thing that I can say is that you need to train to train, and fitness builds slowly over time. That's that's how you prevent the injury. Just build slowly over time. No rush. Enjoy the process. Did everyone hear that? We're talking about building or, or, or ramping up slowly building your capacity, allowing your body and mind to adapt. If your body and mind don't adapt, both don't adapt, you may be in trouble. So from the, uh, from the expert, Benjamin Kessel, Priority Fitness, thank you so much, and we're out. Peace, thank man. Uh, that was great, man. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Evolution's Drumming Therapy. Please help us grow, rate, and review us. And if you would like more great content, hit the subscribe button. Would you like to find out more about me or Move Evolution Physical Therapy? Go to moveevolution.com. Heal, move, drum, evolve.